And I just thought like, what is the craziest thing that I would never be able to do? And it was, it was that. And I just thought, like, why would anyone do that? You get into a ring and then someone punches you. Why is that? That's not fun. Right. And as I started training, I, I realized like, okay, I want to prove myself. I want to show myself that I can do this. And that's, that's why I started fighting. And so it's, it was just like the craziest thing. And then after that, there's these things that unlock, right? Like once you do something that you never thought you would be able to do, that door is now unlocked, right? So you walk through that door, you're like, oh my gosh, I just got into the ring and somebody punched me and then I punched them back, right? Like, it's not like you're going to sit down and say, I give up. Dr. Debbie Chen has many roles in life, parent, founder, advocate, scientist, and Muay Thai fighter. It was in her role as a fighter that she faced the personal struggle of hydrating properly for her sport. That rule of thumb that we all hear about of drink eight glasses of water a day is really just a guess and not one that works well for all. However, armed with a PhD in biomedical engineering from Tufts University, Dr. Chen set out to solve the problem and build a business around hydration monitoring. Her company, Hydrostasis, was granted a patent in January, 2021. In this episode of What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw, Dr. Chen describes her journey from a life in research labs to fighting in the ring, to creating a company and searching for funding. Well, welcome to What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw. We're absolutely thrilled today to be speaking with Dr. Debbie Chen, who has an extraordinary background. So I'll, I'll go through sort of the resume part of it, but it's I, I think everyone will enjoy really understanding who she is. So Dr. Chen is founder, CEO of Hydrostasis, which is a um, a hydration monitoring company. She's an entrepreneur in residence at the University of California, San Diego. Um, prior to starting her, her company, she was a scientist at the Sanford Burnham Previs Medical Discovery Institute, at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, and at the University of California, San Diego. She received her PhD in biomedical engineering from Tufts University. And Dr. Chen, welcome to What I Wish I Knew. Thanks for having me. So tell us, how did you get here? You know, you, this is such an extraordinary background. And, and those are some of the formal kind of resume kind of titles, but you also carry with you several other important titles. You know, you're a mother, you are an entrepreneur, you're a scientist, and you're also a Muay Thai fighter. So tell us, how did all that come together? Um, yeah, well, it wasn't planned <laughs> as all great journeys. Um, None of it really was was planned. Actually, it, it happened because uh, it didn't go according to plan, right? Um, and so, you know, what I realized as a as a scientist was, you know, I was really excited about doing these really cutting edge um, projects, um, and you know, I, I was always in, involved in the high risk, high reward projects. Uh, so a lot of times it didn't pan out, or you know, we we got to a certain point where we're like, okay, this is you know, sort of the end of the project. Um, but I, I never was excited about the sort of large scale, you know, 30 year continuous projects for, for whatever reason. And, and those projects are very, you know, uh, important, obviously. Uh, but I was always interested in this never been done, wouldn't it be cool type of projects. Um, and I think, you know, looking back on all of my projects, those are the ones that excite me the most. But throughout my scientific career, I always thought um, that I wanted to make more of a direct impact, right? Because science, you know, it takes a long time. You know, it, it, it you know, requires a lot of thought and, and, and the funding cycles are slower. And then, and then there's this big gap between scientific discovery and commercialization. Um, and so at, at some point in time, I said, you know, I have all these skills that I didn't actually at the time didn't know that I had, you know, the soft skills, right? I was an, an engineer, uh, a female engineer, and I had a bunch of soft skills that weren't really appreciated at the time. And I just felt that I didn't feel fulfilled. With every job I said, this is a great project. I love this part of it, but that part was missing. Uh, I was really great at collaborative work and getting these, you know, uh, partnerships in line, which now is one of my strengths in business, but then at the time, it really wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't, uh, it, I didn't feel like it resonated with, you know, the, the people in charge. Um, so, you know, after I did a couple postdocs, I said, you know, um, 
I, I'm not quite sure what I want to do, but I do know I want to make something happen, make something real, like bring a product to life. And, and I kept thinking about that. Um, and, I, and I still didn't do anything about it until um, after I started fighting. So this is really when all of the, the journeys intertwined. Um, I actually had started training about eight months after I had my daughter. And it really was, a, I think, a, a difficult time for me because I was in transition. Um, I actually was... Uh, essentially let go after my uh, maternity leave, which was kind of a, a tough uh, time. You know, I had a new baby and, and then I was uh, unemployed for a while. And, you know, we don't need to go into all of that, those issues. But uh, I started training because my, my body needed to be stronger. I felt like, you know, I had a baby and I needed to heal. And then also I, I mentally, I needed to be stronger because I just felt like I wasn't standing up for myself. And this, again, goes back to all of your childhood upbringings and whatever challenges and, and sort of, I don't want to call them traumas, but that's sort of like the way that you were brought up is like, at least for me and my culture is, is you listen to the adults, right? You listen to authority, walk between the lines, do as you're told, and, uh, and then build a life, have babies, and then, and then that's called success, right? So I had this form of success in my mind. Um, and that I didn't feel like I was fulfilling. Um, so, so I started fighting and, and I just thought, oh yes, kickboxing, you know, jazzercise. I thought that was what I was getting myself into. And the first time I got into the gym, these big thud noises, and it happened to be this woman kicking this heavy bag so hard that this, this you know, 200 pound bag was just breaking in half. And I was like, there's no way my little legs can kick like that, right? There's just no way. And I tried, and of course, it took many tries and, and lots of tears and sweats and, and, you know, and I eventually said, okay, what is the next thing? You know, the next thing was to test myself in the ring. And I, I just, it was just one of those things like, never, yeah, no way. I just had a baby. I've never fought before. I didn't grow up doing karate classes. In fact, it was kind of looked down upon, to be honest. You know, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be fighting. Only you know, hoodlums do that, or or whatever. Um, and I just thought, like, what is the craziest thing that I would never be able to do? And it was it was that. And I just thought, like, why would anyone do that? You get into a ring and then someone punches you. Why is that? That's not fun, right? And as I started training, I I realized, like, okay, I want to prove myself. I want to show myself that I can do this. And that's that's why I started fighting. And so it's, it was just like the craziest thing. And then after that, there's these things that unlock, right? Like once you do something that you never thought you would be able to do, that door is now unlocked, right? So you walk through that door, you're like, oh my gosh, I just got into the ring and somebody punched me and then I punched them back, right? Like, it's not like you're going to sit down and say, I give up, right? You're going to stand back up and you're going to go and punch them back, right? So what a life lesson. <laughs> so I know, then, Debbie, if you think about, about Muay Thai then, I mean, there's all this ritual locked up into it. One of my favorite sporting events, by the way, is I was in Bangkok one time and decided to go to a Muay Thai fight. And, and it was such an unusual experience, but, but there's sort of that, that discipline, you know, and, and it was almost like this religious experience prior yes. to the bout. And yes. then they kicked the heck out of each other. And yes. I thought, that is such a contradiction. So as you think about, you know, you, you talked about unlocking, you know, these doors, did you see yourself that way? I mean, were you fearful doing this kind of stuff or, or did this, is this just sort of a continuation of who Dr. Chen really is? You know, it, it was a, a uh, search for self, right? I, I think pretty much every founder is doing this because there's some sort of search for self. What, who are you? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, the, the, the things in the past that you're trying to get over through this journey uh, and the lessons that you are looking to learn, right? Um, and so for me, it was really just like, why do I feel so physically and mentally weak, right? I, I would be in, in conferences or I would be in uh, just meetings, group meetings, very small meetings in, in three or five people. And I wouldn't raise my hand. I wouldn't speak up. 
um, you know, it was sort of ingrained in me that like whatever I was said, would say is either wrong or perhaps they don't really care about what I think. Um, so it, I had a lot of, you know, communication uh, challenges. Um, and, and that really goes back to a lot of the, the, the PhD, right? Like the, the whole PhD is this peer review process of why, you know, your science is not good enough. And then once you're able to prove that it is, then, okay, you get to publish this paper among your peers, right? Uh, and then you get to be acknowledged uh, as you have a, uh, uh, an offering of a group of papers and that's sort of your, your thesis, right? So I, I think it's, it's sort of ingrained in me culturally as a, a sort of self-doubting type thing. And then also a uh, academic career that is built on self-doubt as well. So there was a lot of doubt, uh, doubt a, a lot of like, who are you? Why are you doing this? Can you do this? Um, and then, you know, then I got get into entrepreneurship and there's even more of that, right? So uh, it was really interesting how um, fighting was really a parallel to my founder career. How did you make the jump then? I mean, so you're in this academic side and, and from academics that I've known in the past, some perceive that jump from, from university or from research to business is almost like selling out. Um, was there any of that yeah. or, or did you, did you have any doubts about, am I up for this? And, and how did yeah. you decide to make that choice? Yeah. So, so with my job at Stanford Burnham Prebis, um, I was actually uh, in a lot of customer service type uh, roles. Uh, I was a scientist, but also I was uh, the link between a lot of academic labs and professors uh, and our service-based uh, imaging um, group. And so I, I realized I was really good at this, right? I was really good at taking a, a project, figuring out what they needed, doing the work, and then, uh, you know, crunching the results, making it into a report, and then sending it back to them to see how I can help them you know, uh, do this, the, do this process. So throughout this, uh, I think I was there around three years, I, I not only gained, you know, scientific, um, you know, um, skill sets, but also realized I'm really good at building relationships. I'm really good at talking to people and really just flourishing in the soft, soft skills side where I always knew I had skill sets, but was never appreciated. And now I, I knew that. On top of that, I had my first uh, female boss that really just encouraged me to do whatever it is that I thought I needed to do. And so what I ended up doing was I, I signed up for a, a part-time accelerator program. And um, I started tinkering with, with my idea. So first I started off with uh, UCSD at, um, it's now rebranded called uh, Start Our Inclusion. Um, and it was my first experience, you know, doing a business, uh, accelerator. I ended up doing another part-time accelerator tinkering since 2016 and I had a full-time job and then realized, okay, I can build a real business on this, you know, started thinking about patents and all this stuff. And then, and then in 2018 was when I, you know, went full-time and it was a big decision. Um, I had to make sure I had you know, financial stability. I had to make sure that my husband was on board. I had to make sure that I had the strength to make sure that I can uh, sort of be with my children the way that I wanted to be with them uh, and spend the time and the balance and then also start this business, right? So um, it was a big decision, um, but also it was an easy decision because I've never been so um, filled in my life. And after I started doing this full time, it was the most stressful, it was the most, you know, anxiety ridden, like everything that you have on the negative side, but also it was the most fulfilled that I've ever felt in my life. And, you know, you talk about authenticity, right? And I, I really believe it's like when you're authentic to yourself, all of these decisions are easy, right? It's not, it's not that it's not challenging or not stressful or not uncertain or unknown. It's 
the decision is easy because you know that's the right thing to do for you. Debbie, how, you know, an amazing start here, and I've kind of written down a few words, you know, for me, you're an adventurer, yeah, and you've got that packs of energy. You're working, as you said, as a doctorate and, and in those labs and tests and, and all the things to do with that. Um, and then you jump, as you say, in, in, into fighting. Um, what, you know, for the listeners, what, you know, what should we be thinking of in our careers? Because there's some major kind of um, switches in terms of what you've done. Like you said, I, th I think you said at the very beginning, it, it happened, it didn't go to plan. So, so I believe from what you've described, you're very happy and comfortable with that. But some people aren't, are they? So what's the message to the listener about your experience and what you know we should be thinking about ourselves and our career and our lives yeah that's a great question um i think for me so the idea of hydration monitoring actually came from my thesis uh around 20 2006 or 7 um and that was really because my thesis project was so difficult that I was like, hey, there's this hydration signal there. Wouldn't it be great if we looked at that instead because this thing is so hard? And of course, it was. I didn't do anything about it. I incorporated it over 10 years ago, uh, over 10 years later, right? And so I think the lesson there is that there's always little bits of thoughts and inspirations that you have gone through in your life. And, you know, being able to reflect and think about it and really not giving up on what seems like a random idea at the time, uh, 10 years later, you know, could be what started my business, right? And then the fact that I started fighting uh, was my own pain of trying to figure out how to hydrate myself. My coach would always just say, oh, drink more water before you cramp. Well, I'm already cramping. <laughs> That's not helping me, right? And then my buddy over here is, you know, 200 pounds and he needs less water. And I'm like, well, he's bigger. Why doesn't he, I need more. That doesn't make sense. Right. And then the media is telling me, oh, drink eight glasses of water. Well, I'm a fighter versus a couch potato. Like how are we supposed to drink the same amount of water? So none of it made sense. And so all of it is sort of um, thinking about, okay, well, what else is out there? Right. And I, I did my research and I realized there's really not a good solution out there to do the thing that I want to do was to prevent myself from getting dehydrated or tell me how much to drink and when, right? And there's all these other products out there that didn't do exactly what I wanted it to do. And then I said, well, maybe I could do it, right? And that thought was like the craziest thing in the world. Like, what? What do you mean? Maybe, okay. So then I started doing more of the research and all this stuff. So it, I think it's just being open to, to ideas, right? Open to the things that string your, all of your life experiences together. Like I'm sure, you know, you Simon or, or Mike, you can tell the story of what is that string that goes through every single you know, job that you've ever had, right? And, and there's, there's that string. And if you, if you can re sort of uh, reflect on that yourself and find that string in between, um, that's really, you're building all of the skill sets. I can tell you which skill sets that I've gained from every single job that I've had to bring me to where I am today. So that's that awesome. requires some degree of self-awareness though, right? That you can think yes. back about, say, I took, took away these things. Is there, is there something that about your ability to be that self-aware that maybe, or habits or whatever that people could adopt? Um... Yeah, so there's there's actions that you can take, uh, and then there's just sort of the mindset, right? The the learning mindset. Everybody talks about learning mindset uh, or uh, Simon Sinek's infinite mindset. Um, you you have to, uh, I guess, in a sense, always be searching, right, to to better yourself. Uh, if you're if you're happy with where you are, then then you're not. Really growing, right? And so for me, I'm always just wondering like, okay, uh, I was unable to raise my hand in that meeting. What, what went wrong there? Right? Um, and very early on when I started doing my monthly updates, I know Mikey receives those, 
when I started doing those monthly updates, it was really painful because I was putting myself out there. I had to figure out how to write sort of the challenges into some sort of optimism, you know? Um, and that is a skill set in communication that I think not a lot of people learn. So nowadays, I really welcome these, these monthly updates because it was, it's a way for me to incorporate my business and also a little bit of me inside. I always try to put a little bit of me, what I'm struggling with, especially in now these times, there's a lot of political, you know, social issues that, you know, people don't talk about. It's not like your startup just keeps going while your entire sort of social and political world explodes, right? Um, it, it, you got, you're a complete person and it's okay to be a complete person. And so for me, it's a learning of communication. It's a learning of, okay, how do you better yourself every day um, to, to sort of be on that learning path? And just on that then, moving into the entrepreneurial world and, and being open, like you said, and, uh, you know, aware, if you like, of the risks. What, what things, you know, I guess as an entrepreneur, is you have normal problems. <laughs> um, but what things would you describe for you particularly were abnormal problems? So things you kind of think, hey, this, this is not right. Yeah, um... A lot of it goes to um, my unconventional background, and, and that means, you know, I'm a female founder, I'm a minority, I'm an immigrant, I'm a mom of very small children, um, and I think the startup world is just not made for people like me in, in any of these many things that I just mentioned. Um, you know, just for example, I really like um, all of the social events being shut down <laughs> for COVID because I was missing a lot of, you know, nighttime bedtime stories and, and bath and dinner times with my children, right? In, in 2019, that was really, I was literally out every single week, at least once or twice a week doing networking or pitch competitions or whatever it was I was doing. And I was missing out a lot, a lot on, you know, those, those nights with my children, um, you know, and so people don't think about that, right? So where are all the women? Yeah, they're, they're at home with their children because they want to do bedtime stories, you know, um, and for, for immigrants, you know, a lot of times, at least for the Asian cultures, you're just not built to be like, I'm the greatest of all the land, right? That's not culturally how you, you were taught. Uh, but then in startup world, you have to stand up there and you have to be like, I'm the best person you're ever going to meet. Uh, you know, if you don't invest in me, you're going to miss the boat, you know, uh, all of those things. But then in, in your mind, you're like, well, you know, that, I mean, maybe there's someone better than me. It probably is. Right. And so it's this sort of um, uh, discord, if you will. Um, that's, that's the, the startup world is, is not set up for. I'll give you one example too, uh, as far as, uh, this is actually brought up to mind, especially since uh, we just had the debacle of the Wall Street Journal uh, article about uh, Dr. Jill Biden. So I have a PhD. A lot of times I don't refer to myself as Dr. Debbie Chen. That's something that I had to learn to use because people discount my uh, scientific background. So I was at a pitch competition and I, I pitched my pitch and, and one of the questions uh, somebody had was, well, you know, we don't really know anything about your algorithm. So, you know, I guess that's kind of a, you know, a, a detractor and, and I don't feel comfortable investing. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, uh, but th this pitch is, you know, 10 minutes, right? Like how much do you want me to go into the algorithm? I could. And in my mind, I said, to be honest, I don't know if you'll understand it, but also, you know, what am I supposed to say, right? And so I tried to explain it the best way that I could. And to me, that was a normal question, right? Yes, of course you should ask about the algorithm and how it works. So I sat down, the next person got up, non-technical founder, nothing against non-technical founders, but he was pitching idea for uh, AI for real estate. Nice, young, white male, not a technical founder, received zero questions about his AI algorithm, 
uh, or any sort of asking about the background of his founding this company. And then in fact, everybody was so excited about, you know, investing. Great for him. I'm not taking anything away from him, but it's just these little experiences over and over and over again uh, is, 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 is harmful, I think. Uh, and for me, you know, to, to be continuously fighting this fight um, is, is very tiring. <laughs> and so, you know, we have to rely on our, our female mentors who have done it and seen it all. We rely on our female founder friends who every single day we trade stories like, like war stories. Oh, guess what I heard today, you know, and kind of laugh it off. But it's, it's tiring. And, you know, one of the, the I just got a pass from, from an investor. And uh, this was somebody that I thought, you know, really supported female founders. And, and one of the things that they said was, well, you know, we just don't know how we would bring value uh, to the company, right? And I said, okay, in my mind, I said, that is a great reason to pass because you always look for smart money in your investors, right? But also, I think you don't realize that the access to capital is the help because the female founders don't have that access to capital. You know, sometimes we, we, we just want capital, right? Like, yes, you talk about smart capital, all this stuff, but you could also, you know, believe in the team and the product, which they said that they did, and also access to capital. That is a huge help, right? Beyond that, you could just be cheerleading. You could just be getting out of our way. You could just be letting us build the thing that we're going to build, right? So, so this, you know, is, is the disconnect is that, you know, access to capital, just the access to capital is a huge help already. And I think people are looking for reasons to say no versus looking for reasons to say yes. And, you know, if you have that unconscious bias for, for females or minorities or, or whatever you have, you know, or maybe some people say, oh, well, you're a mom. So how do you have time to do all of these things? Right. Uh, and then among moms and mom founders and mom investors, they'll say, if you want to get anything done in about a quarter of the time, you give it to a mom, right? And so, you know, it's just, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, complaining, but these are just every single day, these stories come up and every single experience, is, it, it ends up being really tiring. Um, and then the successful female founders you know, have all gone through it and they all have this, these war stories. And, and so, you know, it's, it's really something that the, the ecosystem and um, everybody should really understand and, and know uh, that, you know, there, there are challenges and it, it need, does need to change. So on that note, and, you know, I, I can't speak for Simon, but, you know, I'm, I'm a father of three. No one has ever said anything like that to me about, oh, you, would you have time for something or not. And so I think, you know, you hit on this unconscious bias, but there's also some really open biases out there. And for those of us who would want to be more than just quietly supportive, for, for those of us men, specifically white men who would want to be more than just quietly supportive, what should we know and what should we do to help? I think one of the things that you you should know is that the female founders that have successfully launched and, and had some bit of traction and are raising these pre-seed and seeds um, have done and accomplished and overcome way more than you, you think uh, just to be there. Right. And I think that's not really appreciated. And so um, understanding that we already have the perseverance and the grit to even get to the point that we are now, you know, you know, if you're doing due diligence on, on founder and, and grit and, and perseverance, that's already there. That's, that's said and done because you have to already have gone through all of these things. Um, and then on top of that is, 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 what I said is trying to get to yes instead of ways to say no. And, and, I, and I understand as far as investors, uh, you know, you have limited capacity, you have 
limited funds, limited minimum time. But if you find a, a female founder or a minority founder, you want to combat that conscious and unconscious bias by shifting your mindset to how do I say yes? What are the check boxes that needs to be checked, right? If it checks all of the check boxes, then why am I still wanting to say no, right? It, it's the self-reflection on, on at, at that point, right? Mm -hmm. um, to me, like, you know, to raise a pre-seed or a seed, you're talking about team, you're talking about, it, it, for me, it's a deep tech, right? And, and so I, we are pre-launch. So it's, it's team and it's product, uh, it's your strategy, it's your traction. And to me, we have all of those things. And yet we're getting, you know, uh, responses saying, well, we're just not sure how we can help. Or, oh, well, we're just not sure about your go-to-market. Uh, and these are the things that you can help us with, right? Or uh, instead of just saying no, say, hey, we have an idea. We believe in the team and the product. We think we have a better idea for you for, for go-to-market, right? Instead of saying, no, this is not exactly the cookie cutter thing that I'm looking for, you can say, yes, I have all of these checkboxed, and then let me see how I can help you. Right. So it, it's a different mindset. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, you know, I get it that it, it's difficult on the investor side as well. Right. Um, so I'm not saying, oh, yeah, just go ahead and, and fund every female founder out there. I'm saying try to look at really closely and, and reflect on why you're you're saying no instead of, you know, OK, these checkboxes are already ticked. And so then why not invest? Mm -hmm. Right. How can we help you? And then not forgetting the fact that the mere access to capital is the help that sometimes we need. I get the, the feeling, uh, Debbie, that, you know, men, as, as you say, um, you know, have a, an interface like you've just described. And I guess I'm just reflecting on that. Is, is, is it a, you know, is it ingrained as, as, a, as a kind of belief that becomes a habit? So, so or, or vice versa, and or, you know, what do they then practice? You know, it, a habit to, to become a belief or, or you know, because, you yeah. know, I get the sense it's, you know, it, it's a question that needs answering and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by your, right. your thoughts um, on that. I think what, what, there's not a wealth of warm intros. Uh, and so what's, you know, helpful is to provide those warm intros, get to know the founders really well and provide meaningful uh, warm intros and access to that network. Um, yeah, so, you know, that, I think there's, it, it's, it's, it's understanding the ecosystem, it's understanding yourself. There's a lot of self-reflection there, how you can do this and really putting it into action. So some, some investors and, and firms have said, okay, you know, we're going to fund, you know, 30% female founders this year, right? Now there's a quota. I mean, you know, we hate quotas, but, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a action uh, and a, a sort of, you know, uh, we must at least interview a 50% uh, female um, uh, employees, you know, or, or uh, you know, these types of um, mandates that require you to put action onto those thoughts, right? Because you just think about it, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, yay, go females. Nothing is happening, <laughs> right? And so, you know, putting it into action, reflection first, putting it into action, and then really spreading the word, right? And, and there's a lot of spreading the word these days, but with COVID, uh, you know, you have these studies coming out that um, this this past year has been uh, the worst uh, uh, for female fund uh, for female founders uh, as far as funding goes. It's I think three years. Um, we it, we took three years back, uh, and then even that before I think 2019 was only two percent of uh, venture funding goes to females, right? Um, and so. It, <laughs> I, I, I thought about the, the stat that Quibi uh, raised, I think, 1.9 billion 
And I think all of female founders received about 1.8 billion. So like one company, you know, I don't know if you want to say wasted, but wasted, wasted. all of yeah. that, that could have gone to female founders, right? And so it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know how to fix it myself. I'm living every day. And so the way that I give it back is I'm mentoring lots of other female founders, um, you know, and I, I let them know this is a challenge. I let them know that I'm here. Uh, I'm not, you know, up there somewhere super successful. I'm literally one step ahead, right? I'm still in the trenches and this is what it feels like. And I talk them through it. Um, because I think there just needs to be a lot more transparency. I think it needs to be a lot more, um, you know, just, just every step of the way you have uh, somebody that's like two steps ahead and that, that can help you. Um, because also a lot of the mentors that I see are, you know, 30 years down the line, right? They said, oh yeah, I started a company in the 1980s and I've been really successful. And I'm just thinking like, I think the world has changed a little bit. I'm so sorry. Um, Thank you for your, your, your thoughts. And, and, and I believe that you have lots of skill sets to help me, but really I'm just trying to solve this tiny little problem that it is not so tiny for me, right? Because it's, it's me right now today. Um, and so, you know, just understanding the needs um, and, and really talking to people and, and, you know, seeing what they need. And sometimes it's hard, you know, because all of us have gone through all of these challenges. Uh, we don't want to tell you what we're struggling with either, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you you try to put on this facade of uh, you know I'm I'm kicking ass and I'm doing so well, but then you don't talk about the days where you're like on the floor crying because you know you have a short runway, right? Uh, which is every single founder does that. Um, but I think for females, you have to again be 150 percent all the time, and it's it's really straining and really tiring. Um, but yeah, just just being there for us, making actions, reflecting, and really talking to your network, I think is, uh, is what would be helpful. You know, you talked to, uh, about a, a few things there that, you know, really hit too. And, and one of them, it, you know, you're talking about access to capital. And if we look back at American history, and we look at the history of redlining for mortgages, for example, and, you know, in that situation, it was excluding people of color from mortgages, which is something that had a generational effect, right? And so I think, in, in a lot of ways, you're pushing against the system that's been entrenched for so long and, and it perpetuates itself. You know, the people that have access to capital were the people that were sons of people who ac had access to capital and, and had those kind of warm intros and that kind of thing. And, and you know, here you come, you, you look nothing like them, but I mean, good grief. I mean, a, a PhD in biomedical engineering, I'm really not sure that there's anything harder than that. So, you know, so to me, that's a, a cause for massive respect. Um, and it, it's just heartbreaking to hear that these things exist. And yet at the same time, unless each of us takes tangible action to address it, nothing will change. And so in the state of California, when they required a percentage of, you know, female representation on boards of directors, that's a positive step. I mean, maybe as you say, quotas aren't ideal, but we have to start somewhere. Exactly. Um, so as you think about it broadly, and I guess, you know, even in this sort of environment where we have, you know, active denial of science and at least in the U.S. and that kind of thing and this, you know, the, the circumstances are so fraught, but for me, it's been a constant reminder that we have to do better. But if you had, if, if the world had to listen to you for a few minutes about maybe what's wrong, but also what each of us, what listeners could do to help change that whether it's, you know, in access to capital, it's, it's some sort of allyship or something else, what would you say? Um, you know, I, I think with the current uh, political and, and scientific climate, um, there's a lot of lack of um, empathy and compassion um, and education. Uh, I think if, you know, you got, you know, in, in a room, you know, 30 people of all different races and uh, religions and backgrounds and upbringings and social economic differences, you will find that 
They care about their children. They care about their health. Uh, they care about their happiness, right? I think fundamentally we all care deeply about at least these three things, if not more, uh, or food, uh, you know, and, and, and so I think, you know, we, it's, it's a culture of, of hate and, and uh, you know, cancel culture, right? Like, oh, I, I don't believe you. I'm just going to, you know, uh, unfriend you or whatever, right? And then you get into these echo chambers. And um, I think for me, it's, it's talking to people that you normally wouldn't talk to, being friends with people that you never thought you would be friends with, um, and then just learning that everybody's just human, you know, even these like superstar, you know, uh, um, founders that you think are like, you know, crazy geniuses and, and you realize, well, you know, the, 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 uh, epitome of happiness in, in, uh, Tony Shea, he, he was struggling, right? And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody has their challenges, right? If you, if you ask anybody today, Simon, what are you dealing with today, right? And really understand, like, how are you feeling? No, really, how are you feeling? It's not, how is your day? Good, goodbye. It's, how's your day? What are you struggling with? You know, how can I help you? Um, a lot of times it's, it's not, you know, oh, I, I need to, you know, close this, you know, uh, account or I need to whatever. It, it's, it's uh, you know, my, my child is struggling because, you know, uh, online learning is difficult, right? Um, and, and that just goes across, across the board for, for every parent and every child. So I think, you know, for me, it's just, you know, for, for the connection of the world to, to be, you know, more empathetic, uh, really, you know, I, I hate to bring this up, up because there's a lot of uh, current, um, you know, back and forth, but, you know, the people that don't believe in wearing masks, for example, it, you know, it's like, you know, if you're, if it's choosing that, you know, your grandmother perhaps can get sick, right, versus putting on a mask, like, wouldn't you do that? Even if it's just like a 1% chance, like, even if it's just a 0.25% chance, I would give my grandmother every tiny fraction of a percent, you know, to not get sick, right? And she's gone already, but you know, it's like, I would do anything to get my grandmother back, right? Wouldn't you do that for your friend's grandmother? You know, I would do that for a stranger's grandmother, right? And so it's just, it's a lack of compassion and, and empathy, I think. Um, and and for, for founders, um, I, I think for, for founders, it's just, you know, getting to the point where you are, are comfortable with yourself. And that's really hard. Um, that's the, the self journey that I've been going through. And I think I just started to crack it uh, in, in a sense where, you know, I, I know that I'm doing something that's going to be really impactful. Whether or not my business is successful, I have taken a leap of forward, right? And along the way, I'm sort of spreading the good and, and, and mentoring, uh, you know, other females and I'm working on myself. So whatever it is, my next career, or if I stay in hydrostasis forever, um, I, I do know that through the last several years of, you know, tears and, 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 and everything for, for the startup, um, I know I've become a better person I've known I've met amazing people like you. Um, I, I have now an appreciation for the world that I, I never had because on any given day, I'm talking to people, you know, all over the world. I remember one day I just like sat down at night and reflected. I had a meeting uh, in London, a meeting in Austria, and this is of course all on Zoom, uh, you know, and meeting in New York and, and a meeting in LA. And it's like, how the heck did I get to this place from literally I'm inside this, you know, scientific lab all day, every day and, and doing my lab experiments to I'm talking to people all over the world talking about hydration and, and, and my own passion and making things different and impactful, right? And that's what I appreciate of this life, 
right? Is like, wow, people want to talk to me, right? Um, about hydration, like they're all so excited about my idea. And, and yes, it's difficult. This is something that people have been trying to do for a long time. And, and we feel like we're very close to cracking that code, right? So it's, it's sort of um, exciting in a way. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I think the optimism has to be there. And I'll give myself, especially during this sort of pandemic time, I'll give myself a day or two to sort of uh, be depressed and, you know, uh, sort of mope around and, uh, and then, you know, I'll, and then I'll say, okay, let's go. Right. Um, so giving yourself grace, uh, giving other people grace. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think people are, are, are trying, right. Yeah. They're trying to do good. And if you really have a trust that people are trying and they're trying their best to do good, I think anything can happen. Debbie, um, you know, interesting, you talked about the kind of science piece and I guess, you know, lots of science goes wrong. And I was, I was listening uh, coincidentally to a BBC program last night on the development of the vaccines and they were interviewing a scientist who spends all her day in the lab and talking about you know the lack of success with vaccines and this one has come along and, and she described the the kind of energy and euphoria at the end of it and exhaustion of eight o'clock in the morning to one o'clock the following morning doing this for the last five months or so this 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 is the British vaccine and you know it didn't get to it in the in the program but I felt an exhaustion and I wonder for you what what you know, other than fighting, but, but, but what things do you do and can we learn from to kind of get that headspace? Because you're right, you know, it's hard to put a full stop or, or switch off from media and, and all the rest of it. But what does Debbie do? Because you've got a high, a high energy a battery inside of you, yeah? Yeah, so there's, there's uh, several things that I have started doing um, uh, post-COVID to sort of get my uh, center. Um, one is I, I, I daily journal, um, daily journal in a very simple way because you don't, you never want your journal to be a, another sort of task that is, is sort of dragging you down, right? So the way that I do journals, uh, it's a very small book. Um, it's a, it's a, one of these tiny ones. Um, and I have two columns. One is uh, thanks, and then the other column is laying it down. Um, and I just have three or five bullets, that's it. And names of people that I talked to today, either I wanna give thanks uh, or, or topics that I wanna lay down before I go to bed. Um, so these are the things that uh, you know, I cannot solve. Uh, I lay it down and then that's, that's how I release to, to be able to, to get a night's sleep. Um, and then of course the gratitude helps uh, reflect the day and keep it you know, um, thankful and, and optimistic. Um, so that's one thing that I do every single day. Uh, the other thing too is being in tune with my body because I, you know, am a trained athlete. I can tell when my body needs exercise. So because of the pandemic uh, and also the, the, the business being uh, very busy um, and also schools being out. So I have to, you know, make sure my schedule allows for uh, exercise. Uh, I'm definitely not exercising as much, but I do notice that when my body feels a little off and my mind feels foggy, as soon as I go for a run or I go hit the bag, I come back, I'm like seven levels up of, you know, energy and happiness and outlook. And, you know, sometimes you just feel depressed for no reason and you just don't know why. That's when I say, okay, I need to exercise. And during that run, and Mike, you'll know, is, is you go through all of that in your head. I don't like to listen to things, uh, you know, songs or something. I just look at the nature um, and think through all this stuff. And sometimes I talk to myself and rehearse conversations or conflicts that I have in my mind. And then after that run, I'm like, oh, I solved it, right? So it's sort of like a self-therapy session. Uh, speaking of therapy, it's also good for founders to have a therapist. Uh, against that. Actually, I did that for about two years to try to get through some of my own uh, personal challenges. So, you know, all of this self-help 
uh, and, um, you know, getting to nature for sure is, is uh, one of my favorite things. So I take the kids out um, to go for a hike and, um, you know, there's lots of good trails in San Diego and, you know, just getting them out uh, and being in nature is, is um, very helpful. Well, Dr. Chen, that was fantastic. I mean, there's so much that, you know, take away from here as far as the, you know, the journey of being a founder, the, the, the obstacles that you faced, um, you know, given your path. And, and um, I, for one, I, you know, I, I think I've told you this before, but you're someone who I hope to be in touch with 10 years from now, because whatever it is you're going to be doing 10 years from now is going to be, is going to be terrific. Um, and so I think you just showed that, you know, with, shared that with our listeners today, that when you think about, you know, the impact that people can have on the world, you know, you're one of those people. And I, and I know that as time goes on, um, whether it's, you know, more hydrostasis or something else, um, you're a person that, uh, that I would absolutely bet on. So thank you for your time. Wow. Thank you so much, Mike. That, that means a lot to me. You know, for me, it's, it's all, always about building, you know, personal relationships. And uh, that's actually something that I said to one of my mentors before as well as it's like, you know, whatever happens, you know, I just want to be friends with you in five years. And I think that was a very strange thing for, for her to, to hear, but she was like, oh yeah, yeah, likewise. <laughs> so thank you for that. It's uh, very meaningful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Debbie. And, and, and for me, that, that uh, personality side has come out really strongly. And, and for me, there's a positivity, you know, not just in your physical fighting, I guess, but in your uh, yeah, mental fighting here too. And um, again, like Mike, I, I know you'll be successful and I wish you all the best. For that. Oh, thank you so much, Simon. It was great to meet you. We do hope you enjoyed this podcast and thanks for listening to What I Wish I Knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Dorr. Please join us at whatiwishinewshow.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please share what I wish I knew with Mike Irwin and Simon Daw with your friends. We welcome your feedback and recommendations of new podcast guests and ideas on topics. If you have business challenges, we're also available for advisory and consulting roles. We'd be delighted to listen and help. Just send us an email. Our address is hello at whatiwishinewshow.com.